KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Monday, September 11th. A grieving mother says the military was negligent in a local sailor's murder. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. There's some 9-11 commemorations happening across San Diego today. This morning, an event at University of San Diego will reflect on the World Trade Center attacks. Organizers say it will review the past and look toward a more peaceful future. Outside USD's School of Peace Studies is a 9-11 memorial for 3,000 glass plaques naming those who died. East County leaders and first responders are also holding a memorial ceremony. 3,000 American flags will be placed on the grass at Grosmont College. The event will honor those who lost their lives and the first responders who helped save lives that day. The Chula Vista City Council will discuss a minimum wage ordinance for healthcare workers this week. A majority of council members directed staff last month to prepare a draft ordinance for a $25 per hour baseline pay for employees of healthcare facilities. The discussion is docketed for tomorrow. Similar efforts are moving through the state legislature and signatures are being collected for ballot initiatives to establish the minimum pay for health workers in San Diego, La Mesa, and Chula Vista. This past weekend saw temperatures 5 to 10 degrees above normal, but cooler weather is expected this week. Today is expected to be in the low 80s inland with a high of 78 at the coast. The rest of the week is forecasted in the mid to low 70s. Some partly cloudy skies are expected throughout the week. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team, Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. After complaints from neighbors, the city of Oceanside is reviewing its relationship with the Brother Benos Foundation. The organization provides resources to the community, but the nearby businesses say they are bringing harm to the area. North County reporter Tanya Thorne says a decision on the organization's future is being made today. Ocean Sites Planning Commission is reviewing the Brother Benos Foundation's conditional use permit Monday. The permit lets the foundation operate in the business park on Production Avenue as long as its operations aren't detrimental to the public or nearby properties. But business owners in the area say the people Brother Benno serves are causing damage, and property managers in the business park say they're having a hard time leasing vacant properties. To help improve the situation, Brother Benno's has hired a third-party security firm, an expense Ben Meyer, the essential services manager, says is not within their budget. It's uh, not sustainable for us currently um, to do that. Um, it is a move simply because of the stakes that have been sort of laid out uh, by the uh, business park and these people. They want to shut down. 
for us, uh, we need to do everything we can to keep the doors open. We have hundreds and hundreds of people that depend on us. Monday's meeting will determine if a security condition will be added to Brother Benno's permit. If the change is made, Meyer hopes the city and the businesses in the area can help with the expense. We got to work together to solve this problem. It's not going to be just Brother Benno solving it, so um, we're hopeful. The organization has also hired Porter Services and reduced their hours to help address the business park's complaints. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. To Sandy Eggins, rain is almost always welcome. And we got a very big gift of it two weeks ago when a tropical storm came to town. SciTech reporter Thomas Fudge says local plants have responded as if spring has come again. It was Sunday, August 20th, when Tropical Storm Hillary arrived in San Diego. It rained all day, dropping at least two inches in most places. Local plants reacted quickly. Many trees started to flower again. Native plants that were supposed to be dormant showed new growth. Alex Kurtz is with the California Native Plant Society. He's seen a lot of plants acting like it was spring. Black Mountain Open Space Park, for example, um, the Mission Manzanita, those beautiful gnarly shrubs with the orange-brown trunks, they have flowers there in, in September. Plant experts say there could be a downside to the rains as exotic grasses and weeds spring up, potentially increasing future fire risk. Also, the moisture in the soil could bring root rot to plants that are accustomed to being dry in August. Thomas Fudge, KPBS News. A Sara Mesa Elementary School has started a big donation effort to help some of the youngest victims of the Maui wildfires. Education reporter M.G. Perez has more on the project that plans to expand to other campuses. A collection of spare change began in one second-grade classroom at Wegaforth Elementary School just a week ago, and already more than $700 in coins and other money have been donated. West of the school has joined the effort now. Students are learning math with their calculations and accounting of the donations. They're also learning empathy and compassion. Just ask eight-year-old Aria Hammond, who has a message for the kids in Maui. We are raising money for you, and we hope it's enough, and I hope you guys will have food and be, be learning. Seven-year-old Eliana Kendi has something to say, too. I feel worried if some of the people is living on the streets right now because they don't have the houses and cars and schools. Wegaforth Elementary families are also collecting school supplies for students in Maui, and other schools have been invited to join the donation effort. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. For our ongoing series on public art, we now meet a prolific San Diego artist. She has works at the airport, the North Park Target, and the Jacobs Center, to name a few. Arts and culture producer Julia Dixon-Evans has the story. Kari Fukuyama's work is the kind of art that reminds you that light exists. She works with mostly clear plastics, acrylics, and films that refract and transform light. In her sunny Rolando studio, Fukuyama cuts and arranges tiny slivers of dichroic film, jutting hundreds of pieces out from the wall in patterns that twist and loop. So I'll make an incision and then I just stick this in here. Colored shadows scatter in countless directions. 
She was inspired by the movements of a group of starlings known as a murmuration. Each bird communicates only with its seven closest neighbors, but somehow thousands of birds move flawlessly in intricate patterns. We feel very overwhelmed, but just kind of focusing on your neighbors, your friends and your family, and starting small, and that would create this ripple effect. This new work is a revision of an installation currently on view in a glass case at the San Diego International Airport. Fukuyama says she loves designing large works of art to fill each site. She sees public art as a form of arts education for passers-by. You know, the public art to me is the most democratic type of art. Julia Dixon-Evans, KPBS News. At the airport, Fukuyama's work is placed before Security Checkpoint 6, the main security line in Terminal 2. To see a similar work without a glass barrier, it's on view at City College Art Gallery through September 30th. Coming up, a grieving mother says the military was negligent in a local sailor's murder. We'll have that story and more just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. The family of a Navy Corpsman gunned down by a former service member is taking the government to court. They say the killer, who was forced out of the Marine Corps for mental health issues, should never have been able to buy a gun. The case spotlights problems the military has sometimes had, failing to report disqualified service members to the FBI's gun background check database. Military reporter Andrew Dyer has more. Petty Officer 3rd Class Devin Rideout returned to her apartment in suburban Oceanside after her shift at Naval Hospital Camp Pendleton. It was a Friday in 2018, just before 4 p.m., and the 24-year-old Navy corpsman took her new puppy, Chip, out for a walk. When she returned, her upstairs neighbor, a man she didn't know, was waiting outside her door, and he was holding a revolver. She had really enjoyed being in the Navy. She enjoyed her job immensely. She loved helping people. Her mother, Leslie Woods, is devastated by the loss of her only child that day. She says they spoke on the phone every day, and Devin planned to become an occupational therapist after the Navy to work with veterans. I think she had two more years left from her reenlistment, and then she was going to transfer to a you know, graduate school. The man who shot and killed Devin Rideout was a Marine deserter who'd been arrested in 2016. He was diagnosed as schizophrenic, suffering from delusions and hallucinations, found incompetent to face court-martial, and forced out of the service. The schizophrenia diagnosis should have landed the man, Eduardo Ariola, on the National Instant Criminal Background Check System, used to screen gun purchases. But the Defense Department didn't report him. So, when Ariola went to an Oceanside gun dealer to purchase a five-shot revolver, nothing came back. Eugene Iredale represents Leslie Woods in two lawsuits, one against the federal government and another against the state of California. 
He says the law is clear. Areola should not have been able to buy a gun. And in this case, it came into the database and there was nothing there. So no additional law was needed to prevent the death in this case. All you needed was compliance with the law that has been in effect for over 30 years, the Brady Act. For years, the Pentagon Inspector General has faulted the military for violating the law and failing to add disqualifying personnel to the FBI's National Instant Criminal Background Check System, commonly called NICS. The most well-known case was that of former Air Force Airman Devin Kelly, whose 2012 domestic assault conviction should have landed him in the FBI's system. The Air Force failed to report him, and in 2017, Kelly killed 26 people in the First Baptist Church of Sutherland Springs, Texas. Lindsay Nichols is the policy director of the Giffords Law Center to Prevent Gun Violence. So the military has a long track record of not reporting this information when it should. I'm going back to the 1990s when the background check system was first established. In 2020, the inspector general found that after the Sutherland Springs shooting, the system improved. Previously, the services reported disqualifying criminal information to an internal Pentagon manpower component, but the information didn't always get to the FBI. Now, the service branches submit it to the FBI directly. But that 2020 Inspector General's report looked only at whether service members' criminal convictions made it into the background check system. It didn't investigate whether mental health diagnoses made it into the system like they should. You know, the military exists to protect and defend our country from acts of violence. Um, so the requirement that DOD properly report to the background check system for gun purchases you know, directly fulfills the very purpose of the military. I mean, they're meant to protect. Rideout's killer was sentenced to life in prison last year. In July, a federal judge denied a government motion to dismiss her family's lawsuit. Andrew Dyer, KPBS News. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great Monday. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.